Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hello, Connection Point. Uh, I hope you're doing okay today and uh, thankful that we get to spend just a couple of weeks having a conversation about rest for the soul. If you are here last week, we talked about that need that we have to find some relief from kind of an angsty soul. Like if we're in that spot where we're constantly striving, uh, trying harder to earn God's love and God's favor, um, that in addition to a handful of other things can really overtax your soul and my soul. Uh, Today I want to talk about having an exhausted body. Anybody here have an exhausted body? Um, Oh, you're lying. There's like five of you. Okay, you're... You're in better shape than I thought, which I'm celebrating. That's fantastic. Just wait a week, and then uh, you'll be exhausted. And that's the case. Most of us, you know, we go in seasons. There's seasons where we're doing okay, and then other seasons where we're just flat out exhausted, and it's not on a spiritual level so much as a physical level. Now, when I talk about physical exhaustion, for our purposes today, I'm just going to encapsulate mental and emotional as well as physical, because God's made us holistic beings, right? We are spiritual creatures, but we're also emotional, mental, and physical in nature. And when one starts to suffer, one area, it can affect the the whole. We talk about the body today being exhausted. Uh, it, It just can happen too easily, especially the the older I'm getting. Um, I get exhausted really, really fast. I've got a friend that um, he, he renamed his bed the Word. So when his pastor friend calls and says, hey, what are you doing? It's 6 a.m. What are you doing? Oh, brother, I'm, I'm just laying here in the Word. And he gets away with it, you know? You try to make up as many excuses as you can. When I was uh, uh, in my 20s, uh, my best friend was my cat. And uh, you can judge me later, that's fine. But he really was. His name was Paul, and Paul was the best cat you could ever possibly imagine. Even those of you that hate cats, you would have loved Paul. Paul weighed approximately 287 pounds, and uh, when he walked, no joke, he would, his stomach would drag along the ground. I used to clean my kitchen floor with him. I would throw treats across the kitchen floor, and then he'd shuffle across, and it was clean where he had gone, and I loved him with everything in me. Well, I came home from work one day, lived in a mountain community, and he liked to go outside every once in a while, but there were things out there that would like to eat Paul, so I was a little nervous, but um, he he went outside. I got home from work this particular day, and he was nowhere to be found. I went out on my deck and just called for him. Normally, he'd come home, Paul, 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 nothing, no Paul. Now, part of my heart sank because he's my best friend, and I was worried for him, but he never missed a meal, so I figured he'd be back for breakfast. I went to bed, woke up that next morning, still no Paul. Had to go to work the next day and worked into the evening, got back that next night. 
still no Paul, went out on my deck and yelled out into the woods, Paul, Paul, still no Paul. I fell asleep, woke up, had to work that next day. We're now on day three. I had to work extra late. It's now 10, 11 o'clock at night by the time I get home. And uh, it's pitch black in the forest. I arrive at my house, still no Paul. This is one last ditch effort. It's been way too long. So I go out to my deck and just give it one last shot. Paul, Paul, Paul. And then I heard, new. Paul, new. Whoa, he's out there. So now I got to find a flashlight. The only flashlight I could find was a lame little keychain flashlight, shoots light about that far. This is not very helpful. I'm wandering out in the forest trying to find my huge feline. Paul, mew, Paul, mew, Paul, mew. Okay, I, I can't see you. Where, where are you? No joke, about 35 feet up in a huge pine tree. Paul had been, must have been scared up there by something. He has wedged himself way at the top between the trunk and a branch. Fats hanging over the branch. He is lodged in there. Now, he's been up there for three nights. I said, Paul, what in the world are you doing up there? He said, this is no time to talk about it. Just come get me. I said, okay, gosh, testy. And so I went back and tried to devise a plan. How am I going to get this tremendous cat out of the tree and back down uh, where, where I can even live, you know? And so I had an idea. I got a backpack. I figured I'd put the backpack on my front side, I'd crawl up to where he was, get the cat in the backpack, and this is going to be smooth sailing the whole way. And so uh, I got a ladder, because the first branch I could even see was 12, 15 feet up, and got the ladder, put it against the tree, had the backpack on the front side, had the flashlight in the mouth. I climb up the ladder, and then I'm climbing up the branches, trying to get up to where Paul is. I just kept climbing. I mean, Jesus was only like six feet higher than where I got to. I get up to where Paul is. It's the skinny part of the tree way at the top. It's swaying in the breeze, in the darkness at 11 o'clock at night. I've got one leg wrapped around the tree, one arm wrapped around the tree. The flashlight's stuck in my mouth. It's pointing right in Paul's face. He's going, dude, turn the light off, really? And this is the plan, a backpack? I said, beggars can't be choosers. He said, okay. And so I grab Paul by the head. Some of you think I'm making this up. Unfortunately, no. I grab Paul by the head and I began to jam him down inside the backpack. All 374 pounds. And, and every single time I think I got him in there, one leg just whoop pops right back up. Get in there. Whoop. Stop it. Zip, zip it shut. I got him in there. I climb all the way down the tree, climb down the ladder, rush into my bedroom. I've rescued my best friend. I open the backpack. He's not in there. I'm totally confused now. Where in the world is he? Because I can feel that the backpack is still heavy. You know on the front of school backpacks, the little tiny pouch where you put like pens and stuff? In all the confusion, I had accidentally jammed Paul into this tiny little pouch. I barely released pressure on the zippers and he just exploded out of there like some inflatable raft. He hated me from that moment forward. And then, true story, two weeks later, he did get eaten by coyotes. And, uh, oh, it's the circle of life. Get over it. It's... And he fed the whole pack. So it was, it was still so sad. 
there's no point to this story whatsoever. I know <laughs> it's a real stretch, but honestly, this is what I was thinking. You know, when it had been such a crazy week and then going through the crazy circumstance, I really did care about my cat and then having to climb the whole thing. In, in the chaos of the whole situation, I ended up doing the wrong thing. And that is really common for most of us. Like the more chaotic our life is, the more crazy things are, the more busy you are, the more your life is stuff packed filled with things, um, the likelihood that at some point you, you'll bobble the ball, you'll do the wrong thing, you'll have a misstep, you'll trip and fall are higher. The more you got going on in here, the more you got going on in here, the more that's occupying your time, you got too much going on. Too much is going to lead to exhaustion. And exhaustion can lead to a whole, a whole list of things that are really unhealthy for us. Several years ago, there was a study done of people in ministry who had had significant enough moral failures that ended their ministry. And uh, they were interviewed about what their life was like heading into that season. And they asked them, how are you doing emotionally? How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing physically at the time? And almost universally, their, their tanks were running empty. And it wasn't just the spiritual tank running empty that was often the problem. How they were doing physically, mentally, and often most crucial was emotionally. When their emotional tank was empty, they discovered this propensity and this tendency that you and I have, all of us, to be really susceptible to pleasure-seeking sin. When our emotional tank is empty, our physical tank is empty, our mental tank is empty, why are we more susceptible to those quick fix sorts of sins then? Well, because we're exhausted, we're feeling sad, we're feeling bad, and we don't want to feel that way anymore. We don't want to have a chaotic heart. We don't want to have a chaotic life. And the more crazy and exhausted it is, then it really opens it up to say, oh, I'll numb out with this for a while. Or I'll engage in this for a while just so I can not think about that, not deal with that or whatever. And so taking care of ourselves is something God takes very seriously. And so maybe just by a way of evaluation, if you consider the different gauges of your life. We talked mostly about spiritual last week, kind of indirectly. But if you had to process how you're doing physically today, maybe literally physically, how your body's doing, or how your emotional tank is, or your mental tank is today. Are you running on empty? Are you quarter tank, half tank? Some of you are doing fantastic, and I thank God for that. I'll keep praying for that. But if you find yourself kind of quarter tank or lower, physically, emotionally, or mentally, I think that that light should be on going, I need to pit stop soon. I need to pull over soon. I need to get some rest soon. And the, the beauty of it is, is that God desires that for you. He, he can provide tremendous amounts for you when you do stop and refill. He's not just concerned about your spiritual life. He's got rest for us, mind, body, soul, and spirit. 
If you're constantly running on empty physically, it might be because you feel like the weight of the whole world is on your shoulders. You might have a real strong work ethic and you might be naturally responsible. Again, those are phenomenal things. But when you try to take on God's job, that's when it's going too far. If you don't know how to rest, then you you got some real concern there. To fetch back to something we talked about last week, it's probably a good reminder again, we were never ever meant to be everywhere, know everything, or do everything all at once. That's God's job. That's not your job. That's not my job. There is only one who is omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent, and that's God Almighty. It's not you, it's not me. And yet, for most of us, the tendency is to kind of feel the pressure, the weight, depending on personalities, this all varies, but I gotta know everything, I gotta show up for everybody, I, I gotta do everything that's asked and expected, and even a whole list of things that I'm sure aren't expected, but will put me over the top. Or, and it's an exhausting way to live. The cool part is knowing that Jesus has got some hope. But as you've got the opportunity to just evaluate a little bit, I wonder maybe what might be exhausting your body today. Last week we talked about angsty soul and what might overtax your soul. Things like conflict or loss or trauma or the hurts and needs of others or sin. But when it comes to your physical body or emotional or mental state, what are some of the things that might be exhausting you today? A handful of them might be Uh, Something like physical challenges. Some of you are are wrestling physically. Um, You're you're dealing with an actual physical thing. Maybe some of you that live with a disability, maybe it's been lifelong, maybe it's something you've picked up in the last um, 5, 10, 20 years and you've had to live day in and day out with a physiological disability. Well, my goodness, you might reach exhaustion on a physical level in a way that some people that don't have those physical challenges face. It really wasn't your choice, but that's what you've got. Others of you, you might be dealing not with physical challenges, but just with poor health. And maybe it wasn't a result of uh, stuff you've done. Um, Maybe you're sick, or you're navigating some sort of disease or sickness, and that's bringing exhaustion, that's real. Many of us, though, we are, we are, experiencing poor health and exhausted because of a, an unhealthy lifestyle. Others of you might be exhausted literally because of the labor that's required in your life. You've got, my goodness, I have to rake leaves now? What in the world? This is new labor. But some of you have real labor. Some of you have got it in your day-to-day. Some of you have it as a part of your job. Some of you, your job isn't manual labor, physical labor, but it exhausts your body because it's stressful. It's taxing mentally or emotionally. Others of you are exhausted because of the mental and emotional exertion that you're having to expend and pour out relationally or because of a parent or a child or a work relationship or some other set of circumstances. All of these things as holistic beings can exhaust us, even physically. Jesus got exhausted. Did you know that? 
And I don't know why that's so comforting to me, but in his humanity, he experienced exhaustion. I mean, crazy exhaustion. And he also rested. If that doesn't give permission for me and you to rest, then I don't know what does. Jesus rested, so should we. And he's concerned about us. He knows what we need. In Matthew chapter 6, He's had this really cool dialogue in Matthew chapter 6 about worry and all the stuff that we worry about. But in the Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 32, he says this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans or unbelievers, they run after all those things. Their thoughts are dominated by those things, another translation says. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, I love this because it's that reminder that God knows what we need. Do you know that you have needs? Some of you are often needy people. That's not a knock against you, but... There's a tremendous amount of needs. You're aware of it, and you're okay saying that. There's others of you, maybe on the other end of the spectrum, that you feel like it's the cardinal sin to ever admit that you ever need anything. And then there's a bunch of us in in the middle, maybe. But we need things. Jesus is reminding me and you here that you and I actually have needs. Being human beings, we've got needs, all sorts of needs, some of which include what we wear and what we eat and the money that we need and the jobs that we have and some sort of purpose, but also stuff like sleep. We've got needs. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so I know this sounds a little bit elementary, but can you slow down with me for just a minute? Because I think sometimes the exhaustion we feel is a result of us kind of playing God's job or at least operating like there is no God or independent of God. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you're kind of functionally running life on your own and if it's gonna be, it depends on me and and you make stuff happen and whatnot. And that's great, that's fine. But there's a tendency to be exhausted. Christians, There's many of us that live, honestly, as functional atheists. We believe that there's a God, we say that there's a God, we worship God, but at the same time, we function as if he's not really there, he's not really involved, he doesn't really know, he doesn't really care. We function independent of him. And that could be exhausting. So just a handful of questions. Just slow down for just a moment. Process with me just a moment. Do you really believe that God knows what you need? Based on your actions and the way that you live your life or the worries that you carry, do you really believe? Does that match up? Does your life reflect a life that says, I'm fully aware God's involved, he knows what I need? Not just does he know. Do you believe God cares for your needs? I hope so. Does, do, you ever, do you ever think maybe that 
the sum total of everything that you have is just the result of how hard you've been working? Or is God involved somehow? I mean, slow down and just think for just a moment about that. The job that you have, was that all just your talent, your work ethic, or whatever? Or was God somehow involved in it? The relationships that you've got, was God involved in that somehow, or was that completely solely dependent on your personality or how much effort you put in constantly to keeping the relationship intact? Or is God involved somehow? The money that you have, is that just because of your grit and your savings and your, or was God involved somehow in providing for what got you the money or whatever? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's easy for us to just walk independent of him, take it all on our shoulders, and then wonder why we're exhausted. You know, what's common for a lot of us is this. I think what's common is that when stuff is going really good, guess who takes the credit? When stuff's going really bad, who do we blame? What's up with that? Everything's going great. Man, I must be really, really smart. Everything's going awesome. I'm a really hard worker. Everything's fantastic. It's because I'm so talented and good at everything that I do. Man, everything, the wheels are coming off. Man, God, what in the world are you doing to me? Man, this has been a rough season. God, you must be asleep at the wheel or something. You know, it's not right. Maybe probing in a little bit deeper here. here. Here's kind of a core question. I'll give you two of them. Get to the heart of the matter on this. Are you the creator and the provider and the sustainer of your gifts, talents, and blessings? Or are you just the steward of them? I'd get good at asking yourself that question a couple of times a week. Just to take stock like of of maybe what's weighing you down. Because if you have to feel like you are the one that's creating everything in your life and sustaining everything in your life all alone, all of the gifts, you, all the talents, any blessing that you have, if you believe that, that you initiated it, you started it, you're taking care of it, you're growing it, you made it happen, you and you alone, then my goodness, you're gonna be exhausted. But if you have that subtle shift from being creator, provider, sustainer to steward or caretaker of, then that acknowledges that what you have, your gifts, talents, and blessings, they originated with God, they're sustained in God, he's the one that gave them to you as a gift. Now, do you play a part in them? Do you interact with them? Of course. But that's more what steward embodies. It says, God, I know you know what I need. God, I know that you see what I need. God, I know you care for what I need and that you've provided for what I need. Now, I just want to take care of it. I just want to steward well what it is that you've given me. And when you give me something that I didn't expect or you took longer than I thought to provide what I, I needed, well, I'll trust you because I know you're good and you see me and you care. God's providing for me and you. God's sustaining a ton. It's not always the stuff you want, but it is the stuff you need. 
It's not always in the timing that you'd expect, but it's always in God's perfect timing. And he just kind of wants to lighten our load by saying, I I just need you to take care of. I just need you to steward. I don't need you to initiate and create and all the weight is on your shoulders for every blessing and every gift and talent. Just steward it. That's a different thing than having to bear the whole load. Or phrase, I'll phrase the question in a different way. Are you your own shepherd? I hope not. I hope not. Because again, if you are, then you're, you really are out there on your own. But the beauty is God calls us to be his sheep and he is our shepherd. That, that's a... That's a beautiful thing. Throughout the scriptures, you and I get referred to as sheep, which isn't always a real flattering sort of designation for me and you because sheep are dumb. But, but there's some beauty in just to kind of say, oh, yeah, I am, I am a sheep that my shepherd loves dearly, but he's providing and he sees stuff I don't see and can come around and provide for needs that I I'm not real good at providing for or could never provide for. And if you are living like you're your own shepherd, you are exhausted right now. You will be exhausted at some point. Psalm 23, that's a favorite of many of yours, I'm sure. One of the most famous psalms. Psalm 23 is a psalm of David. He was this phenomenal leader, phenomenal man of God. He was also a a musician and a poet. And in Psalm 23, he captures it so beautifully. Psalm 23, verse 1, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And in light of the fact that God's my shepherd, he doesn't lack anything because his shepherd is always providing exactly what he needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. That's what a good shepherd does. And and the Lord knew that he was going to have to make David lie down. He makes us lie down. Because the truth is, as sheep, sheep don't always know how and when and where to rest, do we? we? We don't always know. I have a really hard time figuring it out. Uh, Is this appropriate time? And if I do make the time, then how do I rest again? Can I be silent or still? Where do I do it? Because what place is best for you may not be best for me to rest. We're all unique. And so we don't always know how, when, and where to rest. But the good shepherd knows, your shepherd knows what you need and the type of rest you need and how uh, you need to rest and where you need to rest and when you need to rest. That's, that's important for us to remember. In the Old Testament, about a quarter way into your Bible, there's the book of 1 Kings. I'd love to turn there for a moment because there's this powerful story here of a man named Elijah, a very godly man who had a powerful ministry. He was a prophet of God. And it was during a season in uh, Israel's history where the Israelites were uh, 
struggling. The kingdom was divided into a northern and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom never had a good king. Evil king after evil king after evil king. And in Elijah's day, there was a king named Ahab. He had a queen named Jezebel. Both were evil. And they had allowed in the practices of a lot of unhealthy uh, idol worship uh, to a god named Baal, another named Asherah. And there are all these little g fake gods that people were chasing after. And as they were, uh, they were being affected uh, consequentially. And Elijah goes toe-to-toe with it. He brings an evil to uh, the practices. He brings an evil to the people uh, that were taking part in these practices and hurting God's people in this epic showdown in, in 1 Kings chapter 18. And, and Elijah has this literal mountaintop experience on top of Mount Carmel, Elijah, as a godly man, against all these false prophets of Baal, hundreds of them, he goes toe-to-toe with them, and he calls down fire from heaven, and God provides this miraculous judgment in this moment. It hasn't rained for years, and Elijah then prays for rain, and here comes rain. And then God supernaturally equips Elijah to sprint faster than a chariot back to the city to relay some information. And so in just a handful of hours, Elijah has experienced uh, a lot of pouring himself out. And for good things, for God things. And yet even that got him exhausted. Just a reminder for those of you that maybe have seen God take some ground in your life recently, maybe you've stepped into a relationship with him, maybe you've turned your heart back toward him, maybe you've been baptized recently, there's been some breakthrough, some ground that God's taken, be on guard because after a significant spiritual experience, the enemy loves to come and take back that which God has taken. And it's, it's common to get exhausted, wiped out, beat up, spiritually attacked after these spiritual events. And this even happens to Elijah. And he's had a supernatural experience and he's spiritually poured himself out and mentally poured himself out and physically poured himself out and emotionally poured himself out and relationally poured himself out. And he's exhausted. A godly man got exhausted. And in his exhaustion, he hears that the queen is coming to take his life, and he's scared. After seeing God do all these miracles, because he's exhausted, he's also scared. And he runs. And that's where we dive in at 1 Kings chapter 19. Real brief as as we wrap this up. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. This is really, really serious. And um, I'm concerned, and so 
I'm really praying, Lord, just gives me the right words just for a minute here because I'm concerned. Elijah, as a godly man, literally was ready to call it quits. He's that exhausted. And I know between a room this size and online, there have to be a number of you that are wrestling with just wanting to be game over on it. Or if you're not there today, maybe it's been in the past. God forbid that it comes in the future. But if you're wrestling with wanting it to be literal game over, then um, can I just be so bold enough just to, just to kind of say, on behalf of the Lord, hopefully, um, God loves you, God sees you. He's got more for you. And you may have lost all hope, and there may have been a see thing after thing after thing after thing, year after year after year after year that's got you to this place, or it might have been just one fell swoop recently. But whatever it is, I know you're exhausted. Because sometimes suicidal thoughts and sometimes this sort of emotional and mental heartache is, it's exhaustive in nature too. It's a spiritual battle, it's a mental battle, it's also a physical one. And I just want you to hear God say to you, you matter. It's not making light of what you're going through, but I would encourage you today to reach out for some help. There's people online that can help you with that right now. There's any number of us today after the service, even just people you're sitting around. We're the church. You need help, you talk to somebody today. Come help, we just wanna love you, give you a hug, listen to you. Let you know you're not alone. Elijah's had enough. He is physically alone and feels like he's the only one left. In fact, he's gonna go on and tell God that later. I think I'm the only godly person left at all. And that's the ploy of the enemy just to get to you saying, hey, you're alone. You're the only one that's wrestling at this depth. No one will get you. No one understands you. The enemy likes to isolate you and get you feeling like there's no hope and there's no one there for you. But God is trying to pull you back in. God's trying to woo you back. God's trying to pull you in saying, no, you're, you're not alone and I'm here and there's some others here and there's a new day on the horizon. Now, Look at what happens. Verse five, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. That's good. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. That's pretty cool. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Okay, underline that. That's a good one for you. Those of you that struggle with knowing how to apply any sort of message you hear on any given Sunday, today, here's a very simple application for you. Um, you get to go take a nap and have a good meal, okay? Many of you, that's exactly what needs to happen. And from a spiritual perspective, that's actually what God's desiring for you. You just have a physically exhausted body, a mentally exhausted body, an emotionally exhausted body, and what you need is some stinking rest. And God provides some rest here for his godly one. 
Verse seven, then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And so when you wake up from your nap today, have some more food and then go to sleep again, okay? Sometimes, not always, sometimes though, that's exactly what we, we need. So Elijah got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. This is the same mountain that Moses would do business with God on. And what we see with Elijah here is just this exhaustion that's changed his perspective. Exhaustion can change your perspective about circumstances or even about you or other people. You can think other people are off their rocker or whatever. The more exhausted you get, the more critical you get. The more exhausted you get, you can think too high of yourself, you can think too lowly of yourself too, just because you're exhausted. And Elijah here is over-dramatizing, he's over-spiritualizing, and he just needed a nap and some food. And God provides for him. God provides sleep, says, I know what you need. Sleep some, and then eat some, and then sleep some, and then eat some. And then there's more cool stuff because God's not tired and his plan's marching on. And so, Elijah, we still got some days ahead for you. And then what God does next is he provides this encouragement that I think Elijah would only have got if Elijah had slowed down and quieted himself enough to rest. And the encouragement came from God. As God says, I'm gonna show up a huge wind comes through, God's not in the wind. A huge quake happens and God's not in the quake. A huge fire rips through, God's not in the fire. And then God shows up in a gentle whisper. Please let us turn down the ambient noise of our life so that we can hear the gentle whispers of God. And when he speaks up to, to Elijah, he says, you're not alone. I know you think you're alone, but there's actually 7,000 others that are following me. And the plan's still marching on. And there's a baton for the ministry that you need to pass onto someone named Elisha. The plan and the purposes of God are still moving on. You're not the only one. There's no reason to give up. If you're only focused on yourself, there's probably plenty of reasons to give up. But if you're focused on the kingdom of God and what he's doing, that can be enough to keep you going. If you stay rested and tuned into his voice along the way. And so last thoughts, maybe we flip it just a little bit. Um, I think there's a handful of reasons or things why being exhausted might be a good thing. I, I, I could think of a bunch, but here, here's four of them. Why being exhausted might be a good thing. An exhausted body is usually evidence we haven't been lazy. Okay, that's good. And, and, and that is the truth. It's not always, but oftentimes it's evidence that you've been working hard, you've been uh, doing something, you've been pouring something out or whatever, and God doesn't want his people to be lazy. I've gotta make sure I insert that in a couple of weeks of us talking about rest and naps and eating and all that. He's not desiring his people to be lazy. 
But exhaustion is just evidence that you haven't been in some capacity. Now, you might have been busy about all the wrong things. But you haven't been lazy. But process how you are spending your time. Another reason why an exhausted body might be a good thing is, I feel like this is suddenly, you might be a redneck if, um, (laughs) is that it reminds us that we're not God. When you've got an exhausted body, it can be a reminder right then, I am wiped out, I am exhausted. Then in that moment, you should stop and you could go, oh, I'm exhausted. I have limits. I'm not God. And in that moment, there's humility to that. And it puts God back in his proper place because you're saying you're not him. That allows him to be him in, in your world. And why an exhausted body might be a good thing, another reason is that it reminds us that we need rest physically and emotionally and spiritually and mentally, relationally. If you're exhausted, what I'm hoping is it starts to trigger in you and trigger in me an immediate connection toward, oh, I'm exhausted, I should rest. Not I'm exhausted, let me worry more, work more, do more. If I'm exhausted, then it's God's way of telling you and me, hey, you need rest. This has been just like a weird month of us moving here. You know, moving is exhausting. It feels like we've been moving for three months or something. And the packing on that end and then the moving out and then the unpacking. And I mean, it's just like constant. My wife got covid I have epilepsy, so that's a physical challenge, a seizure disorder that um, I've had since I was 18, and um, it is a real chink in my armor. And when I get exhausted or stressed, then here comes a grand mal seizure, and it'll just stop me in my tracks. And so I have to be mindful uh, about that. And I have to rest intentionally. I don't have the luxury not to. Sometimes I wish some of you had something not like that, but they had something that you had to take rest seriously. And when we need that rest, you might need a nap. You might need to eat, not just eat, but eat right, eat healthy. You you might need to uh, uh, exercise. Now, I hate exercise with every fiber of my being. Um, It's the absolute worst. I have a friend who is... Um, a former professional soccer player. He writes for Muscle and Fitness magazine. He has muscles in places I don't even have places. And <laughs> I asked him, I said, I said, Andy, I gotta get exercising. What, what can I do? What's the perfect exercise? He says, there is no perfect exercise. The only good exercise is the one that you'll actually do. And if just walking around the block, if that's what you'll do, then that's good. And I went, oh, I could do that. He says, your body wants to move. And I said, no, it doesn't really. I, <laughs> my body wants to eat fudge while I sleep. That's what my body wants to do. But I, I, I try just to be a little bit more active where I can. And there's some seasons where I sense I need that more than, than others. Some of you need a break from social media the mental and emotional exhaustion that's coming at you 
from all of that bombarding of stuff and doom scrolling through every. Try taking a sabbatical from that for a couple of weeks and see what that does to your body and your mind and your heart. Lastly, why an exhausted body might be a good thing is that when we rest, it affords us the opportunity to hear from God. If you stop and you say, I'm exhausted, trigger, I need rest, trigger, now that I'm resting, God, what did you want to say to me again? What can you replenish in me again? What changes might I need to make again? Please, Lord, help me. Replenish me. It's not unlike if you're married and you go on a date night with your spouse. You know, I, I can, technically, I'm still married even if Anna and I don't go out on a date night. But our marriage is better if we get away over a meal and have some conversation and I hear stuff and she hears stuff and there's encouragement shared right there. It's the same with your relationship with God. I like doing that with my kids too, date nights with the kids. Or when my boys turned 13, I took them on a week-long trip. We just got to spend time together because that week-long together was something that wasn't going to happen. The connection wasn't going to happen in the regular pace of life. And they're still my kids and I'm still their dad and all that. But it's different when we slow down and stop and take a break. And then lastly, a pastor that has influenced me over the years, he said this, make a plan to divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. When it comes to rest, if you divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually, it'll have massive results in how rested you feel, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Divert daily. Uh, every single day, carve out some time, every single day, divert daily to rest. Maybe it is a nap. Maybe it is some quiet time. Maybe it's daily hope on, on your phone. Maybe it's uh, uh, taking the walk. Divert daily. Take an opportunity to rest daily beyond your sleep hours. Divert daily. Withdraw weekly. You know, in the Old Testament, there was quite the emphasis on the Sabbath for God's people, and I think we can have a modern version today that could be actually really helpful for us if we committed to one 24-hour period a week that we cease from our labors and our worrying and us trying to be God and we just come back to him and we rest physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually in him on a weekly basis, kind of a weekly little vacation God would provide for you. And then abandon annually, just, I mean, completely check out, maybe a long weekend, maybe a week away. If you don't have the money to take the trip, that's okay. You can do the staycation or whatever, but you really turn off the phone. You really shift gears and be quiet, be still, and let the Lord refresh you like he did Elijah. And if you allow him to do that, then there's going to be rest for your soul. There's going to be rest for your body too. Because Jesus is concerned that your tank is full, and he's concerned for the whole of you not just your spiritual life. He's got rest for you. And so Jesus, we thank you for that rest. We thank you for the rest that can only be found in you and that relationship that we can have with you. We thank you that you 
modeled rest for us physically. Thanks for the transparency of showing us in your word and the gospel some exhausted moments that you had. And exhaustion isn't a sin. But it might be indication that something's out of whack. And so for my friends here that are feeling particularly tired in one area of life or another, would you just help them identify what that area is? Thank you that you know exactly what it is that we need and you care about what we need. And then you provide for what we need. So Lord, just get me out of the way for slowing down your hand of provision. Pray for rest for all my friends and family here. Rest in their heart and their soul and rest physically, emotionally, and mentally. Knowing that there are good days ahead. There is hope ahead on the other side of a nap and a good meal. In Jesus' name. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.